Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. I'm your host, and I'm excited to have my guest today, Ray Edwards. Ray is a communication strategist, a copywriter, an author, a speaker, and host of one of the top iTunes business podcasts. He's worked with Fortune 500 companies and with some of the most powerful voices in leadership and business. His clients include New York Times bestselling author Michael Hyatt, author of Platform and co-author of Living Forward, Tony Robbins, author of Unleash the Giant Within and Money, Master of the Game. Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, co-authors of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Jeff Walker, author of Launch and many more. Ray's copywriting and marketing expertise has helped sell an estimated $500 million or more in products and services. Ray's the founder of Ray Edwards International Incorporated, which offers copywriting, consulting and coaching, product launch management, and training and instruction. Welcome, Ray Edwards, to the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Man, that guy sounds busy, doesn't he? Man, he does. He does sound like he's humping all the time, man. He's got his <laughs> fingers in many pies. Well, you know, all of us are guilty of that or, or, or should be gracious for that, I guess, at some point. So, Ray, we can go back a number of years. And I'm t- I was trying to remember exactly when we first met. I'm guessing maybe it was one of the big seminars in the early 2000s, but yeah. You know, so many so many events blend together after a while. You forget where you met everybody. So first question I have for you today, and we're going to dive into your speaking journey a little bit, is which came first, speaking or copywriting? Uh, speaking came first. I started doing it when I was a young lad. I was 14 years old and wanted to be on the radio. And I got my first radio job when I was 14. Wow. So uh, what kind of radio job was it? Were you just spinning discs as a DJ or were you doing something else? I wanted to be a DJ. I started out being the guy who came in on Sundays and played all the preacher shows on the local <laughs> AM radio station. Okay. Not exactly the thing to do if you wanted to get chicks, but that's what I did. All right. Well, we're going back a few years on that one, I am sure. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. So 80 something. Okay. So. Did you have a vocation before you became the copywriting pro that you are these days? Yeah, I was in the radio business. I eventually became a DJ and then a program director and a manager and a regional manager and so forth. Climbed the corporate ladder until I fell off the top and realized I didn't want to be a corporate guy anymore. And Steve Jobs had come out with this interesting invention called the iPod. Remember those? 
he did his demo. I remember him saying a thousand songs in your pocket. And I'm thinking, yeah, no commercials and no DJs. I don't like what this says about the future of my industry, radio broadcasting. Um, but I adapted. I learned pretty quickly that it was possible to write copy, which I was doing in radio. I was writing copy for all the clients, the radio station. Most people don't know when you buy radio ads from your local radio station, the DJs are the ones writing the copy for free. So you get what you pay for. Um, <laughs> but that's where I fell in love with copywriting. I learned about Jay Abraham and Claude Hopkins and all those dudes. And yep. Speaking of dudes, then I met a guy named Armin Morin who changed my life. I met a guy named Brett Ridgway who changed my life. I don't know how much, in fact, Brett Ridgway had in the scheme of things, but first dude, you were part of my speaking journey. <laughs> you were there when I did my, First platform selling speaking gig where I sold almost nothing. And Armin Morin come up beside me on the break and said, do you want to know what you did wrong? <laughs> and he told me, he said, you got everything you needed in your speech, but you got it all in the wrong order. And he told me I had out of sequentialism. And he told me, this is the order you need to put it in. So I gave the same talk about two weeks later to about the same number of people. I sold $38,000 worth of product. That was an eye-opener, I am sure. It was, for sure. So how many years are we going back to that first platform selling experience then, Ray? That's like about 18 to 20 years. Yeah, yeah. I know it's been a long time that we've known each other. So, you know, in my world, in my mind anyway, Ray, there are three primary types of speakers, platform selling, which you alluded to already. Then you have your keynote presenter, and then you also have what I call the business builder speaker. Copy, you know, could be a chiropractor or a financial planner just speaking to their local groups to build awareness of what they have. So which of those arenas have you played in and which do you prefer? I've played in all the arenas. I've, I would also include preachers. I've done a little bit of preaching as well. Um, but uh, primarily I've been a platform seller and a teacher. So a how-to kind of business motivation speaker. I like doing that, but I find that platform selling is the most profitable for me, unless you're John Acuff. And then you can get those keynote gigs for $50,000 a whack. That's not bad yeah, money really. if you can get it. I haven't crossed into that threshold yet, so. <laughs> I haven't either. I keep trying to squeeze John for the secrets. So far, no dice. He just says, so you got to write good books, Edwards. But let's talk about that first speaking gig where Armin basically told you how you needed to resequence your talk or whatever. So pulling from that, Ray, what tips would you offer to aspiring speakers who wish to be a platform seller to have success on their first speech rather than on their second speech? <laughs> well, get some get some coaching from somebody who knows what they're doing. It looks Here's the thing that, that got me. It looked like these guys were just winging it. They just got up and gave their talk. And little did I know that everything, those speakers that I saw who did this successfully, little did I know that they had planned almost everything they were going to say in the order in which they were going to say it. And they had a reason for doing that. It doesn't mean word for word. They didn't memorize their speech word for word. But there's a, there's a series of, first you have to know the outcome you're going for. I wanted people to buy my copywriting instructional program and coaching. That's what I wanted them to do. So I had to, I had to work backwards from the outcome I wanted 
and decide, okay, well, what things do they need to believe about copywriting before they're ready to give me some money to teach them how to do it? And reverse engineer the speech from there, put the components in, only the components that contributed to getting them to buy into those concepts they needed to buy into before they bought into my program with dollars. Mm -hmm. So years ago, I was managing the back of the room right at an event where, for whatever reason, the event promoter was all about bringing as many names in as possible. And as it turned out, he had three speakers all on the subject of copywriting. Mm -hmm. While copywriting is a very important subject, you know, by the time they got to that third guy on the same topic, the audience was like, oh, you know, been there, tuned out, and that person's chance for success was about this in terms of selling from the platform. So when you go to an event, what kind of homework do you do in advance of an event to make sure that type of scenario doesn't happen to you? Gosh, that's a great question. I want to know who else is speaking. What are they speaking about? What are the chances they're duplicating any material that I'm going to be giving? Do I go before or after them? Because each of those things is very important, as you just pointed out. If I'm the third guy talking about copywriting, I got to have a totally different approach than the other two people. So that means I need to know what are they going to talk about exactly? How Have they given this talk before at other events? You can usually find that out and usually get a recording. It's a lot of homework to do, but if you want, if your paycheck depends on you selling from the platform, you've got to know this stuff. And you got to know when you're going to be speaking even if I'm the only guy speaking about copywriting, I want to know what time of day am I speaking? If I'm speaking after lunch, that's a big deal because people are full of food. They're late getting back. They're kind of drowsy. Maybe want to take a nap. So I got to be ready to, to, to give some time for people to filter into the auditorium before I start speaking. And then I got to do something to wake them up, make them engaged and excited, make them laugh, shock them, whatever it takes to wake them up, get them to pay attention. And if, if I know ahead of time, I'm going to be speaking after lunch. Frequently, I've done things like offered an incentive and passed out a flyer that says we're going to be giving away a prize after lunch. You've got to be on time for that session. You want a chance to win this prize. It doesn't have to be something big, but it's got to think strategically about, I want people in the room, as many people as possible. I want to keep them in the room. I want to keep their interest. And I want them to buy into what I'm selling. So that means you got to do a lot of homework, not just on the other speakers, but on the people who are going to be at the event. Why are they there to tailor your talk to that person so you can sell the most possible and do the most good at the same time? Now, obviously, over the year, Ray, we've seen price levels fluctuate in terms of what works and what doesn't work in platform selling situations. So I haven't been to a live event in a few years, honestly. So what's the going rate these days in terms of the sweet spot price-wise for offers from the platform? Gosh, you know, here's my answer. There is not one. It all comes down to your offer. I've seen in recent months, I've seen people offer a $1,000 offer. They couldn't sell a one to a room full of hundreds or even a couple thousand people. Then I've seen people offer a $100,000 offer and sold a pile of them because the offer itself was irresistible. And if you can, if you can sell that, you know, Zig Ziglar said selling is the transfer of enthusiasm. So your enthusiasm and belief in what you're selling is a big part of it, but it's also got to be something that makes sense to the audience, something they want. You got to remove the friction. Um, 
I remember at one of the big seminars we did together. We, I said we did it together. I showed up. You did the work. Um, <laughs> that's how that went. But uh, there's a guy named Kurt who sold this automated software program, and one of his one of his things he had was he had these little ring boxes. If you bought the software program, you had a ring box that had a I think it was a thumb drive inside of it, had the software on it. And he sold like a, a lot of them, like maybe three hundred thousand dollars worth, something like that. But it was I. I I think about that. $375,000. I knew you'd remember the number. <laughs> and the reason he did that is because he made the, the story and the offer was so compelling. Everybody in that room felt like, well, dang, I'd be an idiot if I didn't buy that. And I've seen Armin Morin do the same thing. I've seen other great speakers and platform sellers do the same thing. It really comes down to the offer. Does it match what the audience wants? And is it irresistible to them? They'll, they'll mortgage their house if it's irresistible. Now, I got to tell you, the back end of that story, Ray, was not a happy one because that software that was sold had a bug in it they couldn't figure out. And every single penny of that $375,000 had to be refunded. So you got to make sure you can deliver on what you sell. That's <laughs> exactly. Part, part two, make sure you deliver <laughs> what you said you would. All right. So obviously in the platform selling world, success is largely major, measured in dollars and cents. Now, you mentioned you've done some keynote speaking. So... As a keynote speaker, how do you determine whether you've been successful or not, whether you've really hit the mark on your presentation? Oh, that's a great question, too. It's how many people want to talk to you after the speech. Okay. That's what it comes down to. How many people have questions, want to reference the story you told, want to tell you their story? That means you connected with them. You made a difference in their lives. I did a keynote. Well, it wasn't really a keynote. It was a short talk at the Northwest Parkinson's disease foundation recently. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that the people with the dry, boring technical presentations weren't getting any response from the audience. There's about 300 people there. The people who had something, a story to tell about somebody overcoming the rigors of Parkinson's disease or a new treatment that was very promising. Those people who inspired or interested or intrigued or outraged people got a response. They got people lined up, wanted to talk to them. So I think it's the response from your audience. That's the real story. And oh, if you're keynoting in some, some events, maybe selling books, mm -hmm. even if you're not, you don't think of yourself as a platform seller, like we mentioned John Acuff. So John, he'll frequently speak somewhere where he's not selling a package or a course or a program from stage, but he will sell books to the back of the room. And if people love your speech, they'll buy your book like crazy. They'll buy three copies, one for them and, Two to give away. All right, Ray. So I got a couple other questions I want to ask you, but before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25 year speaking industry veteran, Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report. Three key things entrepreneurs must master to build a profitable speaking business. To pick up your copy, go to breadridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spot on a Speaking Show. And my guest this episode is Ray Edwards, longtime friend and master copywriter. So, Ray, it's the barrier soul portion of the program here. And that's share some mistake you made along your speaking journey that was. Embarrassing at the time, but a valuable lesson was learned, and it would be something you would highly advise aspiring speakers 
not to do. Oh my God. There's so many of them. That's the problem. Um, picking the ones I want to share. I got two things I'll share. They're the total opposite of one another, but they both had a, an effect of making my presentation poor. One was over-preparing. One of the first gigs I did as a platform seller, I prepared so much that my presentation sounded like a um, dissertation. It's like I was teaching a college class. There was no emotion. There was no excitement. And I piled so much information on Nobody bought anything because they felt like I'd already given them too much to deal with. Like, God, I don't, please don't give me eight weeks of this. I can't take it. Um, so the other instance I, that comes to mind is I was completely unprepared. I showed up at an event. I'm not going to say what event it was because I don't want people trying to hunt me down. If they, if they listen to this episode, they probably will know, hey, that was me. I got to call this Edwards cat. I did... Very little research about who was at the event, uh, who was speaking before and after me, about what their audience was like, what they wanted. And I just, I was winging it. At that time, I thought I was good enough to do that. And, you know, just like in school, I was good enough to skate by and get Bs and B minuses and maybe charm my way to an occasional A, but I didn't really study very hard. And so it was embarrassing to discover that I taught them super basic things they didn't even need to know. Most of them already knew it. And I did not talk about what the actual person who hired me to speak wanted me to talk about that was a huge mistake just yeah i could i could see that did you get back on that guy's platform ever again nope yep nope can't i mean i apologize to him and we we ostensibly are still friends but i don't hear from him <laughs> it's embarrassing but true all right, lesson learned. So let's let's dive into your sweet spot a little bit, Ray, and that's the whole area of copywriting. So, you know, speakers got to put up websites, they got to do LinkedIn profiles and all that. So maybe what are the two or three biggest mistakes you see speakers make in terms of preparation for what they're going to put on their website or what they're going to put in their LinkedIn profile or a Facebook post or whatever? I mean, what what can you share? Well, the number one mistake, I think, Brett, is not thinking about your reader, your visitor to your website. What are they looking for? And what do you want them to get from you? Do you want them to hire you to speak? Do you want to, did they maybe see you speak and you want them to buy your book or get your free lead magnets that can become part of your marketing system? So you think about the outcome you want from having people visit your website. And it's very different if your site is for people you want to see the site and book you to speak versus if it's people who've seen you speak and you want them to buy your books or sign up for your programs. So you got to think about who is coming to my website. What do I want them to see? And the more focused on that one outcome you can be, the better. And the more you can put yourself in the position of the visitor to your site, the better. Because the, the problem all of us have in this kind of business, I think, is that we think we know our audience. We think we have this arrogant presumption that I know my audience. I am my audience. No, you're not. You're weird. You're selling them stuff about a subject or topic or idea or belief, and they're not doing that. So that automatically makes you kind of an alien visitor from another world. So you got to think about it from their point of view and write every single word so that they, it can be subjected to the ultimate test, which is what Gary Bensavinga called the so what test? Gary Ben Savinga, one of the greatest copywriters to ever live, 
He's still alive, by the way, selling olive oil. Google it. You'll see. Um, he's doing very well in the oil business. <laughs> so the, you got to look at your, at your website right now. Go look at your main page and ask yourself about the person you want taking action, what action you want them to take. I want these people to hire me to speak. They look at your site and they go, you know, you're Ray Edwards. So what? What does that mean to me? It's like Michael Hyatt says, everybody's favorite radio station is WIIFM. What's in it for me? So you got to think about that's the biggest mistake is not writing for the customer or the client, writing for your own ego. I'm great. Look at everything I've ever done. I'm the coolest guy ever. So what? That's the biggest mistake. Okay. Any others you want to touch on? Yeah. Um, I think um, people shy away from standing for something, but um, look, if you polarize your audience, good, because I'm not saying you want to be obnoxious or offensive on purpose, unless that's your gig. Like there have been radio personalities that we could probably all name or podcast personalities who their, their thing is controversy. What I'm saying is though, if you try to be the, the, the nice person who appeals to everybody and offends nobody, you interest nobody. You, there's, you know, the Aaron Tiffin song, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. So figure out what it is at the core of your, why you're in business, what your, what your message is and stand for that. And it means some people are going to think this person is not my cup of tea. Here's a guy who quotes the Bible, likes country music. I don't hang out with those kind of people. Good. Cause I probably don't want to hang out with you. Yeah. Not that I don't love you. Just not my vibe. So know your vibe and speak to your people. And then finally, I'd say, make your copy on your website and your emails conversational. Write the way people talk. The less you can write like a corporation or a slick ad in a magazine, the more communication you get accomplished between you and your customers, your visitors, your readers. All right. So great advice, Ray. So you've been speaking in a long time now, almost two decades at least. I mean, more than that, if you go back to your 14-year-old start in the radio business. Yep. But uh, these days, are you a PowerPoint person or not? Less and less. Um, I still use the slides when I'm making a pitch. Some people don't like that word, but okay. So when I'm making an offer of abundant gifts that people need <laughs> to benefit their lives, they're going to give me money for or otherwise known as a pitch. Come on, toughen up people. It's a pitch. I like pitches. I like being pitched. I like pitching. So if I'm doing that, I want to make sure I don't forget anything. Yeah. And I want to make sure I give people something visual to look at while they're watching me on stage. I don't want them to just stare at me, but when I'm doing my talk and telling stories, I still use slides. Often I'll use slides that have one to three words on them. Yeah. Just enough, just enough to trigger what I'm going to say or a photograph or a picture. Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to I want the focus to be on my words. Something I learned from John Childers, actually, another person we, we know who was a great teacher of speaking and platform selling. So I use slides less and less because generally when people see the slides come out, they start yawning unless they're super interesting slides. All right, Ray. So now I want to give you a couple minutes to tell people a little bit more about what it all is that you do and how they can get involved in your world if they so choose. Well, Brett, 
as always, I'm a hopeless fanatic about marketing and copywriting. I love those two subjects a lot. And it's kind of a tough niche to be in because it seems like everybody wants to do that. That's the first thing they find out you can have a business online and they suddenly, I'm an expert on LinkedIn or whatever. Okay, right, whatever. I grew up in the marketing and advertising business and radio. So that's why I love that stuff so much. I love words. So you can go to rayedwards.com. We've got plenty of free resources there. I've got a book called How to Write Copy That Sells. If you've got ads that you're running or web pages that are not working for you, not selling, grab that book for free. If you go to rayedwards.com forward slash free book, you get it for free. Or you can get it from Amazon for like $9 or whatever. Whatever low ball price they got put on me this week. But it can get you started so you can write copy. That allows you to sell more stuff. And there's tons of free resources on the site. Got a podcast, got a YouTube channel. Just look for Ray Evers. That's my username wherever I am. And rayevers.com is the one true URL. All right, so you, you prompted another question in my mind, Ray, that I want to ask before we wrap up. And that is, how is AI going to impact copywriting in your world? Gosh, dang it. I love that question. Um, it's had a huge impact. It'll continue to have one. And, you know, the famous saying is, the cliched, oversaid saying is, these days, you won't be replaced by AI, but you will be replaced by somebody using AI. I think that's true. It's, 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 it's a tool. It helps us. It helps us get free from the tyranny of the blank page. We have our own AI that we created called ClarityScribe.ai. Imagine that. You can try it for free, no credit card required. And it's just a way it helps us get more accomplished faster. It doesn't replace you as the creator, as the person with the unique idea, the unique perspective, unique personality. I don't think you'll ever be able to do that. Could be wrong. If I am, then welcome to the age of robots. <laughs> but we'll see. I think I'm right. It's a great All tool. Right. Use it, but use it with caution and skepticism. That's my advice. All right. Yeah. Great advice as always. So Ray, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today on this episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show. To all my listeners out there and viewers, thank you for joining us today. And as always, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do. May this year be your greatest year yet. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in. And remember to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.